You know, one of the most important techniques that I've learned in therapy over the years, Joey, is cognitive reframing. So what is cognitive reframing, right? It's the process of challenging the initial emotional response that your brain has to a moment, event, or situation. It's very easy to be consumed by negative thoughts when something you perceive as negative happens to you. Let me give you an example, all right? You go to the park, it's a nice summer day. Stop at the little ice cream stand, get yourself a nice cone, you know, maybe some hot fudge, sprinkles, right? Start going Mm -hmm. to town, licking up a storm. But tragedy befalls you. You drop your ice cream cone on the ground halfway through. Yeah, it's done. It's done for. It's chalked. Makes sense that your brain would send signals like, fuck, I dropped my ice cream cone. It's ruined. I only got to eat half of it. What a waste. Waste of money. Waste of ice cream. But if you take a second, you can reframe that moment. You know, challenge that initial emotional response that your brain gives you. At least I got to enjoy half of that ice cream cone. You know, it, it was wonderful. Delicious. It's still a beautiful day out. Everything is okay. That's reframing, right? I bring this up to say that essentially that is what I am trying to do right now with the best ball playoffs. Not, man, I fucked up this year. I'm an idiot for having so much Darnell Mooney, so much Ronald Jones, so much Dearness fucking Johnson. This dude has barely played a snap all year. He's my highest owned player. What, what a fucking idiot. I lost so much money. I'm about to be homeless. No. Instead, we reframe that line of thinking. I'm going to get a nice little best ball tax refund in three weeks. It may not be as much as I wanted it to be, but it's better than nothing. You know, a little holiday bonus. At least I'll be able to pay rent in January and not be homeless until February. You know, (laughs) reframing. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that is kind of a core concept that they do teach you in therapy. My therapist kind of presented it to me as positive reinforcement. So when you have a negative thought, you kind of want to just put a positive thought after it, right? And and the example that she gave me was, you know, I haven't found a job. That's a negative thought, right? It's tough to find a job out here in this market. But putting a simple word like yet after, mm. right? I haven't won a best ball tournament yet. Mm. Who knows what the future holds? We can't predict the future. Yeah, we didn't win anything this year, but there's still many more seasons, hopefully, to come. And maybe the big score is down, you know, the path, the path that we have to grind through. You know, what if these losses and and these tribulations are just leading us to something much bigger and better? So do agree you have to reframe your mindset and just just a general thought to everybody should go to therapy 100 percent without a but doubt. yeah because because obviously you, you learn so much it's obviously hard to implement like the the positive reinforcement and the reframing of negative thoughts and emotions especially when you're gambling and you're consistently losing right it's hard to be positive and i find myself a victim of that but yeah get it we, we're gonna get a nice little refund check that's what i like to call it a nice little best ball fantasy football refund check here shortly and we could use that money to potentially win even more money so just got to look at the bright side of things we started getting a little bit of it back today shout out to underdog and hopefully we have one team that just uh sneaks through and makes our season that, that's all it takes on underdog and DraftKings, and i got a couple chances and i know you do too so got got to look forward to those teams for sure and you know also if things start to go bad in the next week or two maybe all of our teams get elimed round one that just means we're re-entering in playoff best ball, baby. The grind never stops. It never stops. Yep, and then uh, you just uh, blow all your refund money. You get even less back. 
you blow all your refund money on playoff best ball and all of your entries are eliminated after the Bengals get eliminated round one and that's your primary stack and playoff best ball. But you know that that's negative thinking, right? Right. That that's what we can't do. No, instead your lone charger stack sales to the money contrarian as they go to the Super Bowl and you win everything. Yeah, you know, there's there you that go. reframe. There you go. <laughs> What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 274 of the DFS Dose Podcast, your fix of daily fantasy sports information, strategy, and analysis. I'm your host, Ben Hover, joined as I always am by Joey Carrion. And on today's show, we're going to be taking a look at week 15 main slate from a DraftKings perspective, talk some slate specifics. We'll go over the cash game lineup construction and then hit on some tournament strategy to close things out, leverage, stacks and long shots, everything you need to know to bank a GPP this week. Exciting stuff, Joey. We got playoffs starting in best ball, playoffs starting in redraft. We have a Saturday slate this week. We have a main slate this week. Christmas is a week away. It's a, it's a nice time of year. I like this time of year. Yeah, it's a good time of year. Um, It's not a good time of year for your bank account when your bank account's already depleted from bills and Christmas shopping and trying to please everybody. And then you got to, you know, play on all these extra slates and do all this extra gambling. I mean, who who has enough money for that in 2022? Not me. Certainly not me. <laughs> <laughs> but we're going to make it work because that's what we do. And, and, you know, all it takes is banking this Saturday to, to free roll the rest of everything else. Speaking of Saturday, we will have some content. Make sure you're looking out for that. We'll be definitely tackling this three-game slate. Interesting slate of games. I've got some takes I'm ready to get out for the audience. So check that out. It'll be on the YouTube in the coming days. But right now, we have a main slate to talk about. A 10-game main slate with six games early and four games in the afternoon. From a totals perspective, much like last week, what I'm seeing is very uninspiring. I mean, game environments look horrible for the vast majority of these 10 games. Four out of the six games look decent, totaled between 47 and 49 and a half. The other six, 44 or below. Top five implied team totals this week. We have KC, 31.75, Philly, 28.75, Dallas, 26, Chargers, 25, and the Cincinnati Bengals, 23.75. What's standing out to you this week from a Vegas perspective? Yeah, I mean... Not a lot of games that I'm too interested in for sure. I mean, it's interesting that the Chiefs and Texans game has the highest total on the main slate, but that's because the Chiefs obviously have the highest implied team total, kind of propping that up. The Eagles-Bears game is right there. That looks okay. Um, Then you got the Cowboys-Jags, Chargers-Titans as some ancillary games, but nothing too appealing in my opinion. But I will say, I, I just have to throw this in here right now. Usually we haven't given out bets this year, but there are two bets that I'm extremely confident in for week 15. A a little retro best bet segment? Give it to me. Okay. I mean, this one's going to hurt, but the Jets minus one free cash. You're off your goddamn rocker. The Lions are winning (laughs) out. What the fuck? (laughs) I I know you didn't bring best bets back just to give out an L. (laughs) No, Jets... Jets minus one. I had to just mention it with the with the Vegas section. Jets minus one at home. Tough defense. Cold 
New York weather, Jared Goff coming in with his small hands, only two touchdowns thrown on the road for Jared Goff. This is just a prime spot to fade the Lions, especially with the Jets coming off of an L. Minus one. I honestly, when when I was thinking about this matchup, I thought that this would be like minus three, minus three and a half. You're getting minus one at minus 110. You can even take the money line at minus 115. I mean, it, I guess it doesn't really matter there. Second bet. See, the, this is betting against both of our teams. Raiders plus one. The Raiders should not be underdogs at home against this Patriots team. Really? Yes. The Raiders should not be underdogs against the Patriots this week. Plus one is minus 115. The money line is minus 115. I honestly think that the Raiders are pretty live to win this game. They're getting Darren Waller back. They're getting Hunter Renfro back. The Patriots are obviously have injuries at the running back position. Jacoby Myers is still dealing with an injury. They didn't look good at all against the Cardinals. They obviously benefited from Kyler Murray tearing his ACL on the third play and then a defensive touchdown as well. Josh McDaniels revenge game incoming. So Jets minus one, Raiders plus one. Lock it in. That's free fucking cash. Okay. I like that. I mean, good good take there with the Raiders. I mean, I think that alternatively you could go over to that Lions game and take alt spread Lions minus 14 because we are going to wipe <laughs> the fucking floor with New York. We're going to the playoffs, baby, winning out. But other no. than that, I like your takes. <laughs> All right. Any, anyways, let's let's get into the cash game lineup construction. Talk some DFS here at the quarterback position. My initial read on this slate was a little bit different than yours. I think I tend to agree with what you brought to me pre-pod that Jalen Hurts is going to be the popular cash game quarterback this week at 8,200. Are you of the train of thought that Jalen Hurts is worth paying up for over some other interesting options in the upper mid-range guys like Fields at 7,400, Justin Herbert at 7,200? Initially, that's where I was looking, but I could see the reasons why paying up to Hurts makes sense. Yeah, I mean, Hurts is clear-cut the best quarterback play on the slate by far. Justin Fields is only $800 less and Justin Herbert is $1,000 less than Jalen Hurts. I don't think that is too much in terms of salary. So I'm paying up off those guys to Jalen Hurts. Three straight games with 30 plus DraftKings points. The best fantasy quarterback right now in the NFL. QB1 overall in terms of, you know, just regular fantasy football, averaging 27.1 DraftKings points per game. Obviously elite supporting cast, elite team, great matchups, floor, obviously very super high, ceiling, is sky high. Jalen Hurts, 8,200. He's going to project as the best quarterback, and he's probably going to, going to be a top two quarterback in terms of ownership. So in cash, I think you're playing Jalen Hurts. If you're not, you're probably playing Mike White. Mm, I don't know that I love the Mike White stuff this week. I... I guess I could see why the Lions' pass defense is abysmal and they've tightened up a bit against the run, almost making them a pass funnel, and it makes a lot of sense here. With Mike White, I don't know if I want to play him with this rib injury that sent him to the hospital. Limited in practice, they still expect him to play. We'll see how the uh, reports look on that throughout the week. Hertz makes a lot of sense to me. I guess that that would sort of put the guys like Herbert and Fields more in tournament consideration. Look, I'm I'm huge on Herbert this week. I absolutely love him. I, I talked about him on the YouTube channel for prize picks this week. I think his line at 290 and a half 
half passing is way too low. This is a smash spot for the Chargers, okay? The Titans are a clear-cut pass funnel defense, one of the best rush defenses in the league, one of the worst pass defenses in the league. They dare you to beat them playing defense like it's 1982, and I think the Chargers will be more than happy to play into that offensively. They pass at the second highest rate in the league. They're fully healthy on offense. Mike Will, Keenan, Palmer, Everett, Eckler, the whole gang is back together, and the weapons are dangerous. Herbert's playing incredible football right now. He looked amazing on Sunday night football, 7,200, and the stacking partners are relatively cheap. You're getting Mike Will right near 6K. I love this spot for him. So maybe not in cash consideration so much with Fields and his rushing floor, 200 more, and Jalen Hurts only 1,000 more for all the reasons you mentioned, but Justin Herbert will undoubtedly be in my tournament teams this week. He's probably my favorite tournament play of the week. Yeah, I mean, obviously just a, a very good spot at home against a pass funnel defense. Definitely not in cash consideration. I mean, I didn't even consider Justin Herbert when I was looking over just because, I mean, the ceiling just hasn't been there. The skill players for Los Angeles have obviously been banged up and whatnot, and they're finally healthy, which obviously increases his ceiling, but not one game over 30 DraftKings points this season. I think this is as good of a spot as any to hit that ceiling, but in cash, I mean, you definitely can't go there, especially when you factor in like they're just not throwing the ball deep down the field and they haven't even with the skill guys in. Justin Herbert is 29th in yards per attempt in the NFL, 29th at 6.6. 35th in air yards per attempt. There's only 32 starting quarterbacks. He's 35th in air yards per attempt. So this has just been an offense the entire season that has been a low A dot offense. And with a low A dot offense with an aging Keenan Allen, and there's some film on Keenan Allen that says like he's just kind of dusty now. He can't separate as good as he used to. Mike Williams is obviously not a separator either. Um, It's just hard for these players to create yards after the catch opportunity, but the upside, in my opinion, is still relatively high. I just don't think like he, I don't, I don't think he has a crazy ceiling just because of like some of the wide receivers and the limitations and just the offensive scheme. Like this is a short passing attack offense uh, at the end of the day, whether we want to believe that's true or not. I I totally agree with you there, but I mean, I think you can look at some of those statistics and and attribute them to the injuries. I mean, they've really almost had zero points this season where everybody was all healthy together. I think last week might have been the first time if you include Everett in that mix. You know, we saw Mike Will catch a 55-yard catch. I think he opens up something in terms of the downfield passing. Obviously, their air yards and and the yards per attempt stuff is going to look really low when, you know, Austin Eckler is catching 10-plus balls per game behind the line of scrimmage, and they're just trying to run their offense that way. So I think that that is definitely a factor. And as we noted on the Monday show, the Titans defense just invites this type of play. If Trevor Lawrence can hit a ceiling game against them and Evan Ingram can go nuke, I I think that the Chargers and their skill player uh, Mm -hmm. can as well. But yeah, it's also the Chargers. It is the Chargers. And yeah, I mean, don't don't have high expectations for a team that continuously disappoints. Totally That's fair. All I'll say. Totally fair. In terms of some of the other quarterbacks that I would throw into the mix for tournament consideration, Patrick Mahomes, obviously with the highest total on the slate, looks interesting despite the fact that Houston has done well at limiting opposing quarterbacks. I, I would never really consider matchup with Mahomes. I think he always has access to a ceiling. I like Joe Burrow a little bit this week, and we'll get to Jamar Chase's an elite wide receiver play this week, Dak Prescott in the mix, and I think that's probably where I cut things off 
for my tournament exposure. Yeah, I mean, not the best slate for quarterbacks. I think Hurts, Mahomes is interesting. Herbert, obviously good. Dak, Mike White looks solid. Uh, that That's pretty much the extent of the quarterbacks that I would play in cash slash tournaments. No Desmond Ritter action? No, I'm good on that. <laughs> All right, at the running back position, I think Derrick Henry will be popular once again this week. The Chargers are giving up 26 fantasy points per game to opposing running backs, sixth most in the league. They've allowed the fifth most rushing yards per game on the season, 147 on average. The matchup is good, and Henry will undoubtedly be the focal point of Tennessee's offense. However, as we saw last week, Henry has the potential to get game scripted out. You know, three rushing yards in the second half, He should have been off to another 40 spot against Jacksonville, but they just came out firing and, you know, Tennessee had to get away from the run. He obviously still got there because he went nuclear first half, but I think it's valid to question if Henry makes sense in cash this week at 8K flat. It's a hefty price tag for a guy who can become a non-factor if the Titans get down big. They're road underdogs this week compared to being home favorites like they were last week. So I think the spot is objectively worse, even though the matchup remains good for Henry. And 8K is a lot if we're talking about Jalen Hurts over 8K in cash. We're going to be talking about Jamar Chase over 8K in cash. Things start to get thin there and we might have to save salary, but Henry is a good play. Yeah, no, I mean, Henry kind of in a in a similar spot this week as he was last week and he ended up being chalk last week at 7900 against Jacksonville at home so now he gets a better matchup $100 price increase against the Chargers and I think this is a game that the Titans can easily win like I said the Chargers are a team that continuously disappoints you know when they're favorites when they're expected to win games that's when they lose when they're underdogs and the public isn't on the Chargers hence the Miami game that's when they win they come out play their best football maybe that's a little too like takey in terms of like just watching football and understanding the teams but I think the Titans win this game Mm. Derrick Henry great spot in dome games this year Derrick Henry has not scored less than 25 DraftKings points fun fact interesting this game is in a dome so we're getting Derrick Henry in a good spot at 8k pass catching upside now you know he's on pace to catch his most receptions of his entire career he's on pace to have his most targets of his entire career most receiving yards etc so you're getting a little bit out of him now in the receiving game rushing upside is still sky high I mean I'm probably playing Derrick Henry in cash but honestly I don't think he's a must to be honest I don't think he's a lock but I'll probably play him totally agree with you I think he's a good play not a must play we'll just see how you know the salary works out and what savings we get this week and I think a big part of that will be the health status of the Patriots backfield and that'll honestly be a key factor on the entire slate you know Ramondre's status in question after exiting early in Monday night's win over Arizona Damian Harris could be back this week and then we have Pierre Strong who showed out very well in Ramondre's absence he's the min price 4k flat so this is a situation that could obviously play out in a few ways maybe Ramondre's back and Harris is in maybe they're both out maybe Harris is in Ramondre's out we just don't know at this point in the week and I think that it'll be you know sort of a Jenga piece as to how the field reacts at the running back position yeah so Ramondre missed practice today Damian Harris was back if I had to guess I think Ramondre probably misses this week unfortunately so that would that would put Damian Harris maybe in play at 5800 they they did let Damian Harris run routes when he was healthy but I think he would just be used as you know the grinder just the rush attempt 
lineup guy. And if Ramondre were to miss, but Damian Harris would play, then Pierre Strong in tournaments, 100%. If both of them miss, Pierre Strong is a cash game lock at 4K. Yeah, um, if both miss, he's probably the highest owned player on the slate. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, Pierre, Pierre Strong... Looked good last week, broke off a long run, scored a touchdown. Didn't play as many snaps as Kevin Harris, but the eye test tells you Pierre Strong was the better runner, and Pierre Strong will have the passing down roll, no matter what, if Ramondre's out. If Ramondre's out, that's Pierre Strong's role. So he'll still have some value, even with Damian Harrison, but if both were to miss, Pierre Strong would be the highest owned running back on the Week 15 slate, thus making Kevin Harris one of the best leverage plays on the slate. Yep. Couldn't agree more. We'll talk more about this on the Saturday yeah, so, night late night live yeah. stream. There, there's yeah, there's no point to talk about it any further because we just don't have the injury information. But that that's kind of the biggest situation of this slate so far. For sure. Hopefully we do get clarity since that is a 4 p.m. game. Could set up for some interesting late swap stuff as well. My tournament play of the week last week was Miles Sanders. You know, shout out to me. Hung a 30 ball on the Giants head. Had a season high 144 yards rushing and two touchdowns. This week, Philly has the uh, second highest total on the slate. Draws a bottom five rush defense in Chicago. 6,500 isn't cheap for Miles Sanders. He's obviously going to get vultured some by Jalen Hurts and they'll work other running backs in. But he's proven to be pretty consistent and I think he stands out to me as one of the better mid-range plays at the position this week yeah no Miles Sanders is a good play the matchup is as good as any on this slate obviously limited reception upside there and like you said they're going to work in other running backs they're going to run Jalen Hurts and that's really the problem with Miles Sanders you you basically need him to score a touchdown to really get you there because he's not going to get you there any other way but the touchdown upside is obviously extremely high with the Eagles having one of the highest totals on the slate at 28.75 so yeah some other names that I would throw into cash game consideration James Connor he's uh, you know a full-blown workhorse right now has one of the best usage roles in the league no Kyler Murray for the rest of the season Colt McCoy will be there I think that directly correlates to James Connor having his most targets of the season last week that makes him look pretty good you could maybe make a a good case for Alvin Camaro with no Ingram. Maybe he finally does something this week. We have Pacheco, 5,900, highest implied team total, massive favorites, good matchup, although no longer the nut spot. Houston's sort of like Detroit, tightened up a little bit second half of the year in the rush defense. Still a good matchup, but just not the nut spot the way they were early in the year. And then I guess you could throw the Bucks running backs into play just because of the way that they get utilized so heavily in the passing game like they're going to get you 10 plus the the floor is very high with them but they have low ceilings yeah I mean all of those players you mentioned I think could be in cash game consideration right you know you mentioned James Conner Camaro Pacheco Tony Pollard it's going to be interesting to see what projections like if I had to rank those players and then I want to hear yours after honestly I think James Conner's up there for me the role is just too good this dude's never leaving the field tough matchup but we kind of just want to trust the role and the touches and I think Colt McCoy in there definitely helps like the the target volume so I I would go James Conner 1A and then for me it'd be Tony Pollard 1B they're pretty close Pollard is obviously 200 more but James Conner is just going to get more you know raw opportunity so I'd go 1A 1B there and then I think I'd go Pacheco and then Camara maybe that's wrong um I think that I I agree with you that Conner is 1A I you know honestly I I think I have the same list as you yeah I, I would say Conner Pollard Pacheco for price over Cam- 
Kamara. I would be really interested in playing Kamara, though, especially if he comes in as a tournament play with low ownership potential. Then I would be really interested in Kamara because the matchup is great. No Ingram. I mean, the running back two on their depth chart right now is David Johnson, bro. It's it's mm-hmm. fucking 2022. Like Kamara could absolutely smash in this spot. So he's not he's not going to project great or may, maybe I'm wrong and he does, but I don't think he's going to project like off the charts. But I think he is a great play. I mean, like you said, matchup is great. Obviously, one of the best receiving backs in the league. And, you know, we just haven't seen it, obviously, but we know they're they're ceiling games in the range. So, yeah, I mean, he's really, really struggled hard to access that this year. He does have the 140 spot against the Raiders, nothing else over 30. So few and far between, but this could definitely be the spot. And you could make the case that the Falcons are kind of giving up on the season with the switch to Desmond Ritter and just going into evaluation mode, seeing what they have out of Ritter going into next year. So that kind of strengthens the case. And and yeah, I, I just, they really have nobody else in that backfield. So I like Camara for sure. We'll have to see what his ownership looks like, but I could see him being my favorite tournament play of the week come Sunday if there is no ownership there. Other than that, man, I mean, running back is thin this week. I don't see anything else that really stands out to me. Like, yeah, you could play Austin Eckler. It's a very tough matchup. Like we said, pass funnel for Tennessee. He'll probably still get there, but with all the other pass catchers active, I think his target share is reduced. You're probably looking at more like six to eight targets opposed to 10 to 15, like we've seen at various points this year. Joe Mixon against the Bucks, that doesn't really do it for me. Like, you know, Travis Etienne against the Cowboys. None of this stuff stands out to me. So pretty tough mm-hmm. for the rest of the running back pool. Yeah, I mean, th- there, there's really nothing else that I would consider. The Bucks running backs are okay. I mean, they're cheap. They're both going to get opportunity and receptions. I think that's okay. Jarek McKinnon at 5,200, definitely a, a nice tournament pivot. Like, he's playing a ton. So, yeah, if you want to go cheap, I mean, those guys. And then I, w- I would mention um, it's going to be interesting to see kind of how this Texans backfield shakes out because it is a good spot against this Chiefs defense. And we've seen, like, Rex Burkhead have tournament winning weeks. Like, it, it was around this time last year that Rex Burkhead had that game against the Chargers where he went for, like, 35 DraftKings points. Yeah. Yeah, you know? I recall. <laughs> Why was that? Was that a painful week? It was absolutely painful because, you know, I'm never playing Rex Burkhead. And if he beats you, he beats you. And maybe he beats me this week. But honestly, I, I think it's uh, Dare Agumbawale at 4700 that's is, what the is, streets is the, are saying i hear the streets talking dare up yeah i mean I, I had to pick him up in redraft and he's been the rb2 behind damian pierce who was out with a high ankle sprain probably for the rest of the season so i mean i i'd take a, a dart throw on, on dare i mean i kind i think last season actually kind of got put in a similar situation towards the end of the season where he ended up coming into a larger workload and I I think he reeled off like three straight 15 point games and and was like an actual like league winner yeah no he he closed out last year strong 15.2 14.8 8.5 to close the year couple of interesting performances when he was getting a full workload in Jacksonville yeah I could definitely see that I think he probably has more juice than Rex Burkhead think anybody has more juice than Rex Burkhead at this point so I would at least have some moderate interest there especially if we see the Texans play hard the same way they did almost upset Dallas and a similar spot as as double digit underdogs so I kind of like that one for sure and then they released Dino Benjamin didn't mention that so yep backfield is really only Dare 
and Rex Burkhead. And I'm pretty sure Dare played more than Rex last game after Damian Pierce exited with an injury. He saw 18 snaps, which was the most of the running backs. So we'll we'll have to see. But I mean, this could be a situation to capitalize on, especially if you get the running back who gets you know, the most opportunity, uh, right. And, and they're right there in price. So totally agree. All right. At the wide receiver position, I feel like it's relatively open, at least early in the week. I think maybe as things develop, we'll get some more clarity, but there are injury status of different quarterbacks and other pass catchers that'll shift the direction that the field goes. I think Jamar Chase is the, the primary spend up option this week, right? We have day-to-day status on both Tyler Boyd and T Higgins. I think that there's a realistic scenario where they both miss. And I think the best case scenario is that they maybe get one of them back, probably T. Higgins. Regardless, Jamar Chase is a phenomenal play. The matchup isn't great, but he's just a literal machine. Like I could care less about matchup with Jamar Chase. He's going to be the best player in any one-on-one matchup. 15 targets last week. He has three 30-plus point games in his last four. I'm leaning towards just jamming him in at 8,300, to be honest with you. Yeah, I mean, he's obviously a great play. I kind of want to see what his projection will be. Because I I think if projection sites have T in, which I would I, I don't know I'm I'm kind of fifty fifty on T on whether or not he's gonna play. They said he's day to day, but I mean he was he was out last week, right? Like he he was out, like he wasn't out, but he was out. He yeah. played one snap. He was out unless you uh, you bet on him, and then he yeah. was in because they fucking rolled him out for one snap. Scumbags. Yeah, yeah. So he was ruled out. So if we, if we look at it from that perspective, he's had multiple weeks now to to recover right and and maybe maybe he gets in but if Higgins and Boyd are both out I mean yeah you're you're locking in Jamar Chase so I mean it's just kind of a wait and see situation I'd be pretty comfortable playing him even if Higgins were in but I totally agree with you like that would be the difference between him being a good play versus a must play the other high-end wide receivers are in relatively tough spots Amon Ross St. Brown will project well just because of the usage but like you said it's a tough spot for Detroit on the road in cold weather with Jared Goff Devontae Adams great play but he's 9k AJ Brown 8k it's really hard to pay up for him with the target volume there I mean Hopkins from Colt McCoy CD Lamb is interesting at 7300 but I prefer the mid-range guys I mean Jamar Chase is really the only one that I would see myself paying up for above 7k in cash do you agree with that yeah I mean ASB is interesting because like nothing has changed from last week right price is the same still saw nine targets last week obviously had a floor game and now like he's not going to be chalk like I I think he's I think he's a great play obviously game environment and going into New York and you know how I talked about with with the bet segment kind of a worse spot for Jared Goff but I think projection wise like I feel like he should be close to what he was projected to last week uh you know maybe maybe dock him for the game environment but the target upside and his ceiling is obviously still sky high so yeah Definitely agree with that. I prefer Jamar Chase this week just for only 500 more, but yeah, I mean, never going to say anything bad about the sun god. Garrett Wilson's probably going to be the best play on the slate, the most owned play on the slate. I think the only thing that puts it into question is Mike White's status, but all indications from the team are that he is going to play. Zach Wilson has been apparently elevated to QB2. If Zach Wilson starts, that might change everything because Zach Wilson is absolutely abysmal, but I'm going to proceed as if Mike Mike White is the surefire starter here, and if that is the case, 6K Garrett Wilson at home against the Lions is an incredible spot. Yeah, I mean, he's going to be in 80% of lineups, so just, just play Garrett Wilson in cash. 
Yep. That's it. Yep, definitely. Other mid-range plays that stand out to me, Mike Williams looks too cheap at 6,300. I think Godwin is interesting as well. Target floor, extremely high ceiling, limited with the current state of the Bucks offense, but just so bankable to get, you know, nine plus targets every single week. Devontae Smith is interesting to me. I mean, he's not a guy that we typically consider, but you know, maybe we should more. I mean, the target floor has been really high for him. Five straight games with eight plus targets. He makes plays on a consistent basis. Philly is in a good spot this week. Any of these guys stand out to you for cash games in the 6k range? Yeah, I think out of the players that you mentioned, I I, I would just be more inclined to, to play Mike Williams. Just think he has the biggest upside out of those three guys, Devonta Smith, Godwin, and Mike Will. And has the best matchup so at 6300 Mike Williams is interesting I think Chris Olave is better than Devonta Smith and Chris Godwin though target upside is solid obviously not great it's I don't think it's as good as Chris Godwin's but if we get you know nine ten targets out of Chris Olave in the spot at home against this Falcons secondary I mean he's just in an absolute smash spot and he's obviously in contention for offensive rookie of the year along with Garrett Wilson he's been great um, so if I had to rank these guys, I mean, I think I'd go Mike Will 1, Olave 2, Godwin 3, Devonta Smith 4, personally. Yeah, that doesn't sound too bad to me. I mean, is Jerry Judy in that mix for you if Russ plays? No. Okay. Yeah, I mean, obviously Judy with a, ma- a monster ceiling game last week, not something we would expect. I think it'd be interesting. Obviously, you know, nine targets is good for him at 6,100. It's a good matchup. Cortland Sutton status could impact that as well. But I-, I think I would tend to agree with you that Mike Will is my favorite play of the bunch. Olave, a solid play as well. In terms of value, that's kind of what I meant when I said that, you know, we're waiting on stuff. We have the Texans injuries, you know, Brandon Cooks and Nico Collins status. If they both miss, I think we could go back to Chris Moore. At least we have a little bit of insight as to how the pass catchers would be utilized now. The whole field was on Philip Dorsett, but Chris Moore was the answer last week. So, I mean, we have some insight there. Good matchup against the Chiefs at 4,200. He could be in play if those guys miss. Traylon Burks still in the concussion protocol. We'll see if he comes back or not. Nick Westbrook-Akine at 4,100 got eight targets last week. Solid spot against the Chargers. Patriots guys, I should mention as well, Devontae Parker could very well miss this game. Jacoby Myers wasn't at practice, like you said, so it could be like Kendrick Bourne at 3,100 or Nelson Aguilar at 3,400 as well, but these are just sort of situations we'll have to address later in the week. Yeah, there's really no point to talk about any of these. We just don't have that information available. So Saturday night live stream, tune into that. We'll we'll be streaming during the the three-game slate, so hopefully we have a sweat that that we could sweat out live as well. Uh, as we talk about this Sunday main slate. But yeah, in terms of cheap receivers, I mean, you got the Patriots guys, like you said, Zay Jones is is probably the best at 4,900. Then uh, Chris Moore, potentially, if those Texans guys are out, would be my favorite cheap wide receivers. All right, at the tight end position, kind of uh, running back last week, I think Greg Dolchich will once again be popular. 3,600 going up against a tight end funnel in Arizona. And, And Chick, you know, Chig is is money, dude. 3,100 continues to be very involved. His third straight week last week with five plus targets caught all six 
of his targets with a touchdown rush attempt thrown in there. And I mean, Chig is just, he's talented and they're so starved for pass catchers that I think he, his utilization will continue. He's talented. He makes plays. And I just, I fuck with Chig heavy. That's my guy. Yeah. I mean, Chig, the role wasn't great last week. He's obviously going to lose snaps to like Austin Hooper and Jeff Swain. But when he is out there, he's going to get targeted at a decent rate, especially if Traylon Burks doesn't play in this game. I, I think I would assume Burks in though. You know, guys usually come back the week after being out from a concussion. So I think that will hurt Chig's target upside a little bit, but his talent and overall player ceiling is pretty good for a $3,100 tight end. So in cash, I'd be comfortable playing him. I'd be comfortable playing Dolchich. I'd be comfortable playing Conklin and Jawan Johnson as well is 3,400. He's been out for the last few games, but the Saints just had their bye week. He's probably getting a little bit healthier. Prior to his bye, Jawan Johnson was like a top five fantasy tight end. So I'd have some interest in him. But yeah, you're probably playing one of these cheap tight ends in cash for sure. I mean, well, you can't even spend up on the slate unless it's Kelsey. So yeah, literally it, it's Travis Kelsey or you're, you're paying like yeah. a max of 4,500. So, <laughs> yeah. so shout out, shout out to that. Yeah. I, I like the, uh, the Johnson call there at 3,400 and Conklin as well. I mean, he's had 15 targets over the last two weeks. The lions give up the fourth most fantasy points to opposing tight ends. It's a good spot for him. Box score hasn't really matched the opportunity, but he gets utilized a ton. So I do like Conklin as well at 3,100. I'd have no qualms about saving 500 off Dolchich to go there. Let's talk tournaments here, leverage stacks and long shots. I'll start I'll start off with a, a little two for one. I got a play that that you could call a leverage play and a long shot all in one at thirty six hundred dollars. Elijah Moore. All right. I've been talking about how the Lions are susceptible in the slot all season long. I think this spot sets up really well. Garrett Wilson is likely to be the highest owned wide receiver on the slate. We just talked about Conklin. I think he'll have some decent ownership at tight end. And I don't think too many people will be comfortable with playing Elijah Moore. The box scores just look depressing all season long, but he had 10 targets last week, his most of the season, six for 60. I think that there's definitely some ceiling there against this Lions secondary. And, you know, if he ends up putting up, you know, 15 plus, you're very happy with that at 3600 and it just seems like a really good spot for him. Good price tag, and he lets you save salary and get up to the studs you want to play. So Elijah Moore as leverage in the Jets passing attack this week. That That's my long shot slash leverage play. Personally, I don't know if people are going to be scared to play Elijah Moore. No? I think Elijah I think Elijah Moore at 3600 might might be a little popular. You think so? Yeah. To be honest. God damn it, man. Can't sneak I, anything by these people these days. Especially with like the viral tweet again about slot wide receivers against Detroit. Yeah. Oh, I ain't even who steal who's stealing my sauce? Who tweeted that? I don't know. I, I saw it. You know, you, you need to get on you need to be on Twitter a little bit more. You you need to get in the streets. I I do, man. I do. But yeah, I, I think that like he's gonna be like a popular cheap tournament option for sure obviously don't have the projection so couldn't tell you exactly but he's definitely not going to be like five percent or less so obviously if he's like super chalk i mean just full fade that do you have any other uh tournament players you want to you want to tell i mean hit hit the nail on the head with miles sanders last week yeah i got i got one more at wide receiver mike evans at 6200 i mean i know that 
it's been like very, very hard to get a good Mike Evans week recently. Like he's had, you know, under 10 and a half points in five straight games, but they had like a 65 yard Mike Evans touchdown called off the board from a, from a holding penalty last week. We had the Mike Evans incident early in the year when we were like all in on him at low ownership and he clear cut dropped another long touchdown. Like Mike <laughs> Evans numbers on this season would look better just based off those two massive opportunities. And 6,200 is just too goddamn cheap for Mike Evans. I mean, he's really getting down there in price. I, I don't think the talent is an issue. Obviously, the Bucks offense is like fundamentally struggling right now, but Mike Evans can 100% get there. He was a holding penalty away from getting there last week. He would be in the 7K range if he comes down with that catch. So I, th- I just think you're getting a discount based on some fluky stuff happening. And, mm-hmm. and I'd be very willing to go back to Mike Evans at a very affordable price tag. Think it would fit really well as like a lower owned piece to bring down a Jamar Chase cumulative ownership lineup. And that seems like a spot that I'll be interested in for tournaments this week. Yeah, I, I don't mind that. Um, You know, personally, I, I've just uh, retired from playing Buck stuff. So good luck with that. You. I can't blame you for that. Good luck with that. Um, My favorite tournament wide receiver, CeeDee Lamb. CeeDee Lamb smash week incoming. 8.3 point game against Houston last week. Obviously very disappointing. This Jags-Dallas game could low-key be a sneaky shootout Trevor Lawrence is playing the best football of his career so far he's obviously elevating the players around him and Zay Jones Evan Ingram Christian Kirk etc so if the Jags at home can at least keep this game somewhat competitive and close and then especially if Tony Pollard comes in as chalk we'll have CD Lamb as one of the best leverage plays on the slate just in terms of that with Tony Pollard then in terms of like getting leverage off of Jamar Chase or ASB or whatever chalk wide receiver at the top of the player pool is 7,300. Hasn't had back-to-back games with less than 10 DraftKings points. So we can at least pencil them in for, I would say, like 12 to 15 points. And then maybe we get like a, a double touchdown game out of them or, mm-hmm. or something. That That's my call. Double touchdown game, CD Lamb this week. 7,300. I like that call a lot. I think Dak will definitely be an interesting piece. And I I think you could probably get that stack off for relatively cheap. If you want to bring it back with like Kirk, that would be contrarian. Zay Jones will probably have some ownership, but, but still, I think that overall, that'll be a relatively low owned stack that you can get off with a lot of upside. So good call there. I guess the only other play that I haven't shouted out that I want to is Gerald Everett. I mean, we just saw what Evan Ingram did to this Tennessee secondary. I think Mike Will will have a lot of ownership. He's probably the only one. I don't think that people will prioritize spending more money to get up to Keenan this week. But I think that like if you want to double stack Herbert, Everett's the pers- uh, perfect piece. 4300 he's priced up a little bit. So people will be a lot more comfortable just you know saving the salary and spending down to the guys we've already talked about at tight end. So it's a little contrarian to pay up for him. He still had eight targets last week, even though everybody is healthy. Matchup is phenomenal. And, and like I said, I'm really into Justin Herbert stuff. So looking for contrarian ways to build out those stacks. Everett looks like a really good piece to me this week. Yeah, I mean, the, the Chargers stack is obviously Obviously, one of the better stacks on the slate for sure. And yeah, I mean, just if you're listening to this, tune into the Saturday Night Live stream. We'll have, you know, our best tournament takes there when, when we get more information and more time to break down the slate and pick out the winners for everybody. Because, you know, we, we've been on a hot streak with giving out tournament winners on the stream. So... Yeah, you you know, it's weird. It's like all of our uh, our tournament takes that hit are like all Eagles guys lately you know aj brown miles sanders we just got to find the eagles dude the eagles are are fucking money 
They they never Dallas fail. Goddard. <laughs> Dallas Goddard. I mean, if he comes back, you already know the vibes. Locking him in everywhere. He's on track to play Sunday. Forty seven hundred. Nobody's gonna play him. Oh my god, dude. Do you know how hype I would be if he plays? I need him so bad for best ball. So bad. Please God. Yeah. Please God one time. <laughs> yeah, I, I need him as well. I'm sorry for everything I've done, God. All right, hang all right. I'm sorry, I forgot we're still recording. Anyways, let's get uh let's get out of here. That's gonna be it for episode two seventy four of the DFS Dose Podcast. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at Dose Media Net as well as our personal Twitters. I'm at Ben Hover. Joey's at Joey Carrion DFS. If you guys want to connect with us and stay up to date with what's going on within the network, you can join our inner circle via the free Discord chat. Link to do so is in the show notes to the podcast. To everybody listening out there, we appreciate you. We value you. Until next time, let's stay accountable and keep it authentic.